Um, this morning, I want to share with you uh, a message that we will find in John, in, in chapter 8, uh, verses 31 to 38, and I've given it the title of Abiding in Jesus. So the Word of God says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This verse, we've heard it many times. Then it says, they answer him, we are offsprings of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. How is it that you say you will be free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offsprings of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Abiding in Jesus, it's, I think, a lifestyle for us as, as Christians. This new year, you know, I, I don't know how you take every new year, but every new year is um, usually people, you know, make decisions. This year I'm going to go to the gym every day. And maybe by the end of January, you've been to the gym once or maybe twice. And by March, you've just paid a membership that then you think, maybe I should not have had that membership because I'm now wasting my money. I don't have any time to go to the gym. You make decisions, sometimes you don't think of the consequences of those decisions. And, and it's important that we evaluate our lives. I think maybe the beginning of a year, is, it's um, kind of the opportunity to evaluate what do we want to do with our lives. Are we, do, are we on the right path? Or are there changes that I do need to make in my life? When we look at the book of John, the context of the book, uh, you know, Marcus preached the other time about the... The, the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. So we remember some things. But the book of John was written by the Apostle John, uh, the one that he says, the one that, whom Jesus loves. He was a, a humble man. Uh, the audience to whom he was writing, it was a, a letter that was written to the Jews and also to the Gentiles who lived in Ephesus. So they, the, John uses some Aramaic words that he translates them into Greek. And, um, and, then, and it's interesting because this is the, one of the only Gospels that begins with say, saying that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But the whole book of John, it's always reminding us of Jesus, of Christ, of the Savior, of the Messiah. The, the main focus of the book of John is always to Jesus. It's always to him as the source of our salvation. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. So the, the book of John is always appointing us to Jesus. He is the way. He is the gate to, 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 uh, that we need to cross. You know, the, the book of John is always pointing us to Jesus. So this is important to keep in mind. It's a Christ-centered book. And in chapter 8, the, it begins with the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And then we begin to see, or we, we continue to see, these struggles between or the Pharisees and the um, scribes always trying to find a way to, to test Jesus, 
always finding a way to try to make Jesus look bad. But Jesus always either uh, surprises them or, or gives an answer that makes them feel little or gives them an, an answer or, or shows him mercy. In the, in the case of the woman caught in the act of adultery, the law said that she needed, she had to be stoned because she, she was caught in the middle of sin itself. And that was the rule, that was the law, that was something that they had to do. And it's amazing how Jesus found a way of, of showing compassion when someone needed to be found guilty. Because I think he probably saw in this woman that there was, there was repentance in her heart. And, uh, or, or there was this need that she needed to be forgiven. And Jesus saw that, and, and, he can, and he was able to turn this, would, what would have been a horrible act of, uh, of their law, into an act of compassion. Maybe she didn't deserve it, yet Jesus gave her compassion, and that was special. And so the Pharisees and the scribes, you know, always trying to, to find a way to, to, um, to make Jesus look bad. And then in verses 12 to 29, we see Jesus foretells his death. And he begins, I would say he begins to preach to them because in verse 30, he says that when Jesus, then Jesus is speaking to the Jews who believe. So there were people that by hearing the words of Jesus believed in him. And so there were, I would say, new converts, new believers. And when you're a new believer, you know, you can have different attitudes to Christianity. You know, um, mainly we are all sold out for Jesus. When you're a new believer, you believe everything. It's like a new, a a child. If you tell a child, you know, that you're going, at the end of the service, you're going to give them chocolates or sweets or or whatever, they believe you and they are waiting until the end of the service to get what you promised. New believers have this tendency of just believing. If God says it, then I'll do it. And, 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 and I know it will take place. So these are new believers, but uh, we, we, we're going to look at how we abide in Jesus. And Jesus says that the true disciples are those who abide in him and abide in his words. And that means it's not something that takes place in, in an instant. It means it takes place over a period of time. And so this word applies even to us now because, you know, no matter how long you've been uh, a believer, whether it's been uh, a year, a few months, or whether it's been years, many, many years, decades even, we're all in a process of continually needing to abide in Jesus, of continually needing to know him more because he's um, he's always working in our hearts because each one of us, it's different. The, the, the things that apply to me might not apply to you, will definitely not apply to you because of our different circumstances, because of our different, the, the things that we experience on our everyday life. And Jesus knows that, God knows that. And he will never give you more than you can actually bear. And so um, we see Jesus Speaking to those who believed in him, in verse 30 to 36, it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, there are three promises that we have if we remain in Jesus. The number one is, 
If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Now, what is to, to, we need to understand what this word abide means. It means to remain, to stay, to hold on to. And also, the, important, the other important word is disciple. What is a disciple? A disciple is one who learns from a teacher, especially in, in Jesus' time. The disciples uh, would follow the rabbi wherever the rabbi went and, and would speak like the rabbi spoke uh, until to, and, and up to the point that they will even think like the rabbi thinks. So that's basically what Jesus is telling us. Abide in Jesus means walk like Jesus, think like Jesus, talk like Jesus. And it's not easy. It's so, I think it's hard, but he knows that. So he will not reproach you. The only time that Jesus was upset with his disciples was when there was unbelief. When, when there was unbelief, he would get upset with them. Because the only thing Jesus needs from us is faith. Little bit of faith, like the master seed. If you have faith as the grain of a master seed, great things can happen. And, and that's the only thing he expects of us. Everything else he knows, our ability and our capacity. And what you can, um, uh, what you can do may be different to what I can do. You know, he knows that we all have different ways of learning, different ways of, of, of um, understanding. And he will speak to us in a way that you understand, in a way that I understand. So the disciple, a true disciple, would uh, learn by, exper- by experience. A true disciple involves becoming like the teacher in thought and in action. And, and as, like I said, in Jesus' day, the disciple will follow the rabbi wherever the rabbi went. And not only will he learn the rabbi's teachings, but they will also, over time, be, be able to act and, and think like the rabbi. A true disciple, Jesus is telling us that you can also, if you abide in my word, if you abide in, in, in Jesus, you can be a true disciple. That is what is a true disciple. You know, in our, in our everyday life, the things that we do, the thoughts that come in our mind. It's so easy to think bad thoughts, you know, to, to imagine the worst. Uh, for example, the other time there was this friend who, who was doing medical checks and she was expecting a call from the doctor uh, to find out, you know, what was wrong with her. And we were sharing that day and I said, you know, when the doctor calls you, don't imagine the worst, imagine the best. You know, imagine that when they, call, they receive that call from the doctor, that the doctor is going to tell you everything went fine. Everything's fine. Your health is perfect. You know, we don't need to do any more checkups. It's all good. Because it's so easier to imagine, you know, the doctor is going to tell me that, that, I, I, that I have a few months to live. The go- doctor is going to tell me that, you know, I have to stop doing certain things. The doctor, you know, you imagine the worst. But if it is just imagination, we might as well use our imagination for the good. Let's imagine the best. Let's imagine that it's, it's something positive, it's something good. And so to abide in the word of God, it also means that we need to, to um, know Jesus. What did Jesus, what was Jesus, um, what did he act? How did he behave? How did he, how did he, how does Jesus think? Jesus teaches us that we, we, it's, it's better to give than to receive. And that is a hard thing to, to put into practice because it's nicer to receive than to give. But Jesus says it is more blessed, it's a greater blessing to give 
than to receive. And, and we need to teach this, you know, from a young age to the children because from a young age, you don't need to teach a, a child to, to be generous. Uh, I mean, you, you don't need to be a child to be selfish because they, they tend to be selfish. Everything belongs to them. Even the stuff that doesn't really belong to them is theirs. You know, so you need to teach them to be generous. You need to teach them to share. That is a big one when they're at, uh, toddlers. You know, share. And it's so hard for them to share, especially when something actually belongs to them. They don't want to share that with anybody. And actually, maybe as we grow older, it's the same thing. You know, it's hard to share. You know, if you have a, a big, you know, uh, portion of, of yummy food, and someone else comes along and you were so hungry, it might be hard to share. It might be hard to give. But, you know, it's, it's a blessing. And it, it should be a, a lifestyle. And that is abiding in the world. That's being a true disciple of Jesus. Now, the second thing that happens when we really are a true disciple of Jesus, it says that you will know the truth. You will know the truth. Now, what is the truth? Jesus mentions the word truth seven times in this section, in, in verse 40, 44, 46, and 45. And, and, the, and then Jesus always talks about himself, that he is the way, that he is the truth, and he is the life. It says in, in chapter 14, verse 6 of John, Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, Jesus is the life. Now, what is true? Without Jesus, we cannot have a fulfilled life. The, sometimes, the, the, I don't know if the film, the, if you've seen the film The Matrix, but for us who've seen the film of Matrix, it's this parallel life that, you know, this is the real life, and then there's the, this is supposedly the real life, and then there's this true life where there is a, another world that this is not re- reality. That's, that's kind of the, the, the synopsis of the film. This is not reality. But once your eyes are open, then you really see that all of this is fake. And it just makes me think that, you know, that in comparison to our um, reality, sometimes it's like this because although, you know, these things that we can touch and we can feel are temporary, there is something that's eternal. There is something that is more important than, than everything that we can feel and touch here on, on earth. And I think when... When we have this encounter with Jesus, when we face God uh, in a spiritual way, you know, we understand, we can see the true nature in our lives. We can see that we are sinful, that maybe before you understood this truth, lying and, um, and doing certain sins wasn't a problem. It was fine. It was kind of your lifestyle. But the moment that you experience the reality of Jesus, all of a sudden you realize that the way you were living was wrong. You suddenly, it's as if something falls out of your eyes and you can clearly now see that the, the lifestyle that you were living was wrong, that it was not the right thing to do. But only because you had this encounter with Jesus, only because you have met the truth, and the truth begins to do something in your life. You know, uh, um, as you grow, as you, as you continue to know Jesus, as you continue to know the truth, if we say Jesus is the truth, as you continue to know the truth, there are more things that begin to, to unfold, that there are more things that you begin to learn and to understand. When we begin to know the truth, we also begin to learn our true purpose. We also begin to, to understand our true identity. And that is so important because in this world, whether we like it or not, 
there is racism. In this world, whether we like it or not, there are people who will, will treat you nice if, if uh, depending on your background, depending on the way you speak, depending on where you're from, you know, and that is the reality of this world. But, but when we begin to understand the truth in Jesus, our true identity, something changes in us. Something changes in us that we are able to forgive, that we are able to love even when people wish us um, to be destroyed or maybe when people don't wish the best for us. Then we are able to step up and say, you know, I don't need to go up to someone and tell them I forgive you for your attitude, but I can do it in my heart. I have to do it in my heart because otherwise I will live this life of hurt and pain and anger and resentment and, and, and feelings inside of me that are not from God, that is not abiding in Jesus. When we understand, when we have this revelation of, of, uh, of Jesus and, and truth, of his salvation, something changes. You know, it's, it's so nice when, when, you, when this takes place because the Bible tells us that it's as if it's a new birth. Uh, I like in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, uh, verse 17, it says that, the, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things pass away. Behold, the new has come. We begin, we are, it's as if we have a new birth, a new beginning, a, a, new, a new chapter in, a, in our life can begin. And it would be nice that a new chapter would be now all of, uh, you know, 100% everything goes well. It doesn't because that's not reality. <laughs> you know, we have our ups and downs. And that's okay. That's okay. You shouldn't feel bad because all of a sudden sometimes I've heard people say, now that I'm a Christian, everything is going wrong. Everything is going bad. And I think it's because the enemy wants to grab hold of you and wants once through fear to say, no, the way you were living before was better. This way, it's not good. But, you know, if you remain in Jesus, if you abide in Jesus, if you hold on to him, you will begin to see that now with Jesus, even though the enemy is trying to put everything bad in, in your path to make you fail, that when you remain in Jesus, then even if the hardest thing happened in your life, you have him and you have hope. And this law, a world in which we're living is temporary. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. There's going to be a, a something that's for eternity. This is, compar in comparison to eternity, we're living in a small time scale here on earth. The greater thing, the, the most wonderful stuff is still to come. But something important is that, you know, we also... Jesus also wants us that when we abide in him, when we begin to know that truth, that we can also be like ambassadors, his ambassadors, that we will be able to share this truth with others. And in, in 2 Corinthians, it says in chapter 5, verse 17 to 20, verse 18 to 20, it says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ God, that in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled with God. 
You know, the, uh, sometimes in, in church, in, in the church circle, we talk about, so what is your ministry? So what is your ministry? What do you do? And, you know, sometimes people will say, well, my ministry is to evangelize, or my ministry is of worship, or my ministry is with the children. But there is one ministry that we all have, and it's the ministry of reconciliation. It's the ministry of, of, of sharing the gospel and reconciling the world to our Father, to Christ, for them to know uh, the love and the joy that they can experience through Christ. The third thing that, um, that we see here, it says, and you will know the truth, in verse 32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now, the truth and the freedom, truth and freedom are the blessing that Jesus offers those who remain in his words. For these new believers to whom Jesus was speaking, as soon as he said that, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, they didn't like that. They actually maybe found this statement offensive because they said, we've never been a slave to anything. What are we going to be free of? We are the sons of Abraham, the seed of Abraham. And then Jesus tells them, everyone who, in verse 34, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And I think maybe either they were remembering the woman caught in adultery, they were remembering maybe their own sins and thinking, okay, if, you, if you're saying that everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin, then maybe, yes, we do have something that we need to be set free indeed. And, and even for us, I can't stand here and tell you I don't sin anymore. Since I accepted Christ in my heart, I don't sin anymore. Because that would be a sin. <laughs> because it would be a lie. Because it's not true. I wish I could say that I don't sin ever, that my thoughts are always pure, that I never lie, that I always think the best of people. But you know what? It's not true. It's not true. It's, it's, it's the reality is that I'm still dealing with things in my heart, that I need God's love, that I need God's mercy, that I need God's Holy Spirit to, to help me. Because there are times, you know, there are times, especially <clears throat> in situations, There are times, there are situations that sometimes are difficult to handle. And I think it's during those times, oh, just a second. And in, it's actually in those times that Jesus can be glorified in my life. Because I can truly say that it's not because of me and because I'm so humble or because I am so strong that I can overcome. But it's actually because of him, because he's so strong that I can actually overcome. And it's the same thing for all of us. You know, it's usually, it's usually in the difficult times that we can bring out what's truly in our heart. And that maybe it's actually on the difficult times that we should look to God to find the answer that we need. I, uh, whenever I, I, I am facing a decision that will change my life or whenever I'm facing something that is challenging to me, I, I will always go and look into the Word. 
And I always ask God to give me a confirmation of what sometimes I feel that I should do. Don't be like the person who opens the Bible and says, God, speak to me, speak to me, speak to me, and and just opens the Bible anywhere. And he says, and Judas went and killed himself. Oh, God, no, you're not talking to me. Something else. Tell me something else. Something, something else. And opens the Bible here. Go and do, your, go and do the same yourself. Oh, no, Lord, that's not, that's, not, that's not me. Don't do that. You know, have a um, Bible plan. God always speaks to us in different ways, through, definitely through his word, but he'll speak to you through the people around you. God will speak to you. You know, they, they say that God can use any way to speak to us. He could speak to you through a, 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 a something that you feel, but always, always um, share or always talk to another brother or sister in the faith to make sure that it's God speaking to you. Because sometimes we can be very spiritual, like this person who just opened the Bible and said, God, speak to me. Don't, don't be like that. That's not being spiritual. That's being silly. That's not really being guided by the Holy Spirit. Although, you know, if you're a baby, a spiritual baby, God might use that way to speak to you because he knows you're a baby. You know, but as we grow older, there's other ways that God speaks to us. And when we uh, abide in Jesus, when we begin to learn more about him, this truth that will make, make set us free, because we are, sometimes there are things in our life, sin is always around us. And we need... And we need to um, constantly change, evaluate, you know, make different decisions so we don't fall in the same problem again. We, we, we see in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This gift that he's given us is... is um, it's this forgiveness, this, um, how, how lovely and how wonderful it is to be, to feel free of shame, free of guilt, free of this oppression that sometimes sin can, can bring upon us. You know, when we're not walking in truth, when we're not, when we're, when we know we are doing something that is sinful and we are a believer, there is no way that we can feel at peace. It's, it's a horrible feeling, especially when it's something that you know you need to stop. And I'm not talking about, you know, it could be for each one of us, it's going to be different things. So whatever the Holy Spirit is talking to you, you know what it is. But sometimes it could be in, in terms of relationships, in terms of feelings, in terms of emotions, in terms of, you know, relationships with other people. These feelings that, that you know that you need to change. Yeah, sometimes we blame the other person. Sometimes we say, no, it's, you know, it's my teacher. It's the way they speak to me. It's the way they talk to me. You know, we can blame our, our boss. No, it's the way they treat me. Or we can blame our spouse. It's the way he talks to me or the way she talks to me. Or the ways, you know, they offend. We can always blame someone else because it's easier to find the faults in someone else. But many times we also need to look at ourselves. Why do I react in this way? Why don't I, why am I not able to easily forgive? Why do I need to keep this offense in my heart? Why do I need to, to be angry or, or to be upset all the time? Why can I not let go and just release that person? You know, like, like Pastor Rod told us, when you forgive, 
It's as if you're carrying something heavy in your arms. I love this uh, uh, way of, of thinking about it. It's as if you're carrying something heavy in your arms, in your hands, and you just decide to let go. Just do that, and it's gone. You don't have to have that anger, that resentment anymore in your heart. Just forgive. As believers, when we are Christians, you know, to remain in Jesus, it's, uh, I said to you, it's, it's, it's a constant walk. We need to learn. And as we continue on this walk in Jesus, we, we learned how to fight the good battle. We learned how to let go of certain things, how to embrace God's word, how to change. So if you're struggling, which we, I, I'm sure we all struggle at some point or another, you know, you're not alone. We all do. We all go through these different feelings or these different, uh, I don't know, it's a path. I, I always see the Christian life as a path. And you may be, I don't know in which, in which stage of the path, but there is an end to that path. You know, one day, you know, we will all be with Jesus. Something will change. Something will be different. I like the what John chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says, but I'm going to read you from a translation in, in the Passion. It says, I am the gateway. To enter through me is to experience life, freedom and satisfaction. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal and slaughter and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expected, life in its fullness until you overflow. You know, it doesn't mean that just because we this is not eternal, this is temporary, that we're going to live a frustrated life, that we're going to live a life that is, you know, whatever. No, God, Jesus came to give us here in this earth a life of abundance, a life of overflow, a life, you know, that's what I said to you at the beginning. What is the attitude that you want to have? Do you want to have an attitude of, you know, miserable, you know, the weather is miserable, therefore I'm miserable and therefore everything's bad. Or even though in my pain and in my struggle and in my difficult times, I make the decision that it's going to be good, that I make the decision that I'm going to have a good attitude to whatever I'm going to be faced with, you know, because at some point or another, we're all going to face difficult times. And sometimes you know, some of us will, will experience and face difficult times more than, the, than others, you know. And I, ca I cannot say that I, can, I, I will be able to identify to all the difficult things that you all will experience if I haven't experienced, because I think you can only identify with someone when you've gone through something difficult, something that is similar to them. You know, sometimes it's easier or best just to say, you know, I'd be praying for you, or I'm sorry that this has happened. Um, because sometimes our words, if we don't really understand the pain of that person, we might hurt them even more. And, and something that's important is that we are also sensitive to other people's feelings, how they, how they feel, how they are going through those situations. The one thing that I want you to take from today is that we need to abide in Jesus, that we need to remain in Jesus. It's, uh, it's difficult sometimes, and it's hard sometimes uh, because of the, the different circumstances that we all experience or, or face um, to sometimes hold on to Jesus. Sometimes we feel like that you can't do it anymore. Sometimes you might feel like 
you know, this is so hard. I don't think I can do it. And it's so nice because on those moments when you are weak, when you feel like you can't do it anymore, when you feel that you're going to give up, it's the moment when the Holy Spirit would come, maybe through someone, and encourage you. It's those, I think those are the most wonderful moments when you are really weak and when you really say, God, you know, that's it, I'm giving up. I can't do this anymore. That God will use someone, something, to, to lovingly, to bring you back to him, to, to maybe ignite your faith once again, maybe to give you more, uh, more faith, more, to believe that you can do it, that you can overcome. I don't know exactly, and I wish we could all, you know, have a, a, a summary of what 2020 is going to be like, you know, what's going to happen in January, in February, in March, what's going to happen in June, how we're going to end up in December. You know, it would be great if we can know what's going to happen at the end of the year so that we know that, I don't know, in March uh, we're going to face uh, a, a terrible sickness, that in May it's going to be a wonderful weather, that in July, you know, the church is going to be full with new people because something's happened. You know, it would be lovely to know what's going to happen every month so we can prepare but we don't. We don't know. And, and even if we ourselves decide, okay, this is what I'm going to do this year, what I'm going to do my first term, what I'm going to do from March to June, what I'm going to do from August, what I'm going to do in, in, during the summertime. Even if we had made plans of what we want to do, something that the Holy Spirit was reminding me, and that we read it in Proverbs 19.21, is that we make the plans, but at the end of the day, is the Lord's will who's going to be done. I like this translation from the good news. It says, people may make plans, all kinds of, uh, sorry, people may plan all kinds of things, but the Lord's will, it's going to be done. And I like that last part. Because no matter my plans or the enemy's plans for my life, at the end of the day, the Lord's will is going to be done. And we need that assurance in our life for every day of our lives. Because, you know, people right now with the, with the elections, they said, if Boris, they were saying, if Boris wins, this is the end of Great Britain. <laughs> that's what people were saying, and maybe that's what people think. You know, at the end of the day, he got elected. But what brings peace to my heart is that at the end of the day, the Lord's will is going to be done. And that is the assurance that we need to take in our lives. You know, if the doctor says, I'm sorry, you know, your sickness has no, no um, cure. At the end of the day, the Lord's will is going to be done in my life. You know, whatever I'm going to be facing this year, I know that the, at the end of the day, the Lord's will is going to be done in my life. And that brings peace to my heart because that means that I can always trust God, that he will guide me to where I need to go, that he will show me the path that I, and even if I make a mistake, at the end of the day, the Lord's will is going to be done. That's what I want for my life, the Lord's will to be done in my life. I always, I want to help him, I want him to guide me, I want to do what he wants me to do. Uh, but even if I take the wrong turn, to remember, the Lord's will is going to be done. I'm going to ask you uh, today that, you know, you also remember that you're not alone. 
that you have the Holy Spirit that lives in you. Sometimes we don't acknowledge him much, but the Holy Spirit is the one that, that, that guides you to all truth. He guides you to Jesus. He shows you. He points you to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. The Holy Spirit is the one that, that, uh, that, that brings comfort to our lives. And, you know, sometimes we need comfort. Sometimes it, London tends to be a, a very lonely city. There is something about London that, that sometimes people feel lonely. You, you know, you can be in a big crowd but still feel lonely, feel alone. And I, I, I encourage you today that when you're feeling like that at any stage of, of this year, that you remember that you're not alone, that you have the Holy Spirit, that that moment you can call on him and that he will either bring this sense from within you of comfort or he will actually bring someone to comfort you or maybe a phone call or maybe a text or maybe a message in whichever shape or form that it's the Holy Spirit who will bring comfort to your life. May this year be a year where we're able to abide in Jesus. May this year be a year where you remember no matter what, the Lord's will is going to be done in my life. Shall we um, thank God for this word and shall we um, pray and ask him to, to help us this, uh, in, this, in this new year that he's given us? There where you are, just close your eyes and let's just thank God. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for a new year that you've given us, Lord. Father, I want to thank you for the life of Pastor Rob and Karen. Father, thank you because they have been such an encouragement to us. Thank you because Pastor Rod brings the word every Sunday to us, Lord, teaching us and showing us, Father, the way to you. And Father, today, you know each of our situations, you know our backgrounds, you know our family history, you know where we're going to go from here, Lord. You know what's going to happen to our lives at the end of this year. Father, we want to put our lives in your hands. Our families in your hands, our children in your hands, Lord. Father, the things that we do, our jobs, we put them all in, our, in your hands, Father. Our country, we put them in your hands, Lord. Our government, we place them in your hands, Lord. Brexit, we place it in your hands, Lord. Father, we are grateful and we are thankful to know, Lord, that not matter what, at the end of the day, your will will be done, Lord. Thank you for that assurance, Father, not only for our lives, but for our destiny, Lord, for our nation. Holy Spirit, we ask you this morning, may you encourage us, may you bring, uh, come to us with such a fire, come to us with such a power that we will remember how important you are for us Holy Spirit Holy Spirit we thank you because you are the one that brings this comfort to our hearts and we need comfort especially when we're facing difficult circumstances we need your comfort we need to be reminded 
of our destiny, of, of our identity in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father, because in Christ Jesus we are a new creation and the old things have passed away and we have new, we are a new creation. We are made new, Lord. We are so grateful, Father. And, and Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. May you remind us this year to abide in Christ, to grow in Christ, to grow in truth so that we can be so we can be ministers of reconciliation to others, so we can take this ministry of reconciliation to others and help others, Lord, to know about Christ and his truth. Father, we give you all glory, we give you all praise, and we thank you for today. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Stand and worship.